Mechanization has long been an agricultural driver, from the horse-drawn seed drills of the 1700s to modern combine harvesters with satellite-based navigation systems. Today, farmers are increasingly turning to robots and other advanced technology. I'm Dee Shore of North Carolina State University's College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and in this episode of Farms, Food, and You, two NC State faculty members with their fingers on the pulse of technological innovation for agriculture discuss their research and what they think it'll mean for the farms of the future. Jason Ward, an assistant professor of biological and agricultural engineering at NC State, thinks that many of the tools that will make a difference for tomorrow's farms are out there today. But he says there's a little more work that needs to be done to take full advantage of what they have to offer. I think we have a lot of opportunity right now because there's a lot of information and we need to wrangle it and, and bring it into our current ag production system and make that more productive or appropriately productive and in a way that can reduce our, our environmental impact and our footprint. There's so much information out there right now. Let's find a way to put that to work for us. Ward points to yield mapping technology developed in the 1990s as an example. Yield mapping uses data from satellite navigation technology known as GPS to show such differences as moisture content and yields in farm fields. A lot of people have the ability to map yields, and maybe all that they're doing is at the end of the year printing out the map and looking at the pattern. But there's a lot more we can do with that. We can think about inputs or we can think about profitability because we need to separate the idea of maximum yield from maximum profitability. And so we can actually start looking at areas in the field where somebody made or lost money by looking at their yield maps and thinking about what went into this area of the field. The same is true with the imagery that can be captured with drones, also known as unmanned aerial vehicles, or UAVs. UAVs allow farmers to see problems like drought or insect or disease damage that might be hard to detect from the ground. If we look at UAVs, there's a lot of early excitement, a lot of people saying we can do all these things with UAVs. When you start understanding the amount of work it takes, flying them is the easy part. That's the fun part. But then once you make all these pictures and you calculate all these values about a crop or about a field or even the animals, then wow, you've got to do something with all that data and you've got to store it somewhere and you've got to send it to the right people. And so there's a lot that goes into it. I, I love these technologies and I think they're getting really accessible and some exciting work that can make us better and more efficient. Let's not forget that right now we still have got a little bit of legwork to do to get from this information piece to where we're making decisions with it. When it comes to that legwork, Ward agrees with farmer Brandon Batten, who mentioned in our last episode that better rural internet connections could lead to improved data-based decision-making. And the two also agree on the need for easier communication among different devices and pieces of farm equipment that are collecting data now. For example, the modern generation of John Deere cotton pickers have the ability to, to generate an incredible amount of information about what they're doing in the field. In a perfect world, whenever one of those round modules, the ones that are wrapped in yellow and pink and blue, and whenever they come off the back of that, of that cotton picker, 
if that information could automatically be transmitted to the gen and the gen knows how many modules are out there in that field or from a particular farmer and they know some information about how much they weigh or what the variety of them are that really creates an ability for them to manage their operations a little bit better. Maybe if they know something about that variety or about its moisture before it arrives, they can set up their equipment in a way to be more efficient. I think what we have is a lot of information that is stagnant that could be creating opportunity. And creating opportunity is something that Ward does now through his research, teaching, and extension work at NC State. He has several projects underway looking at new ways to use technology to improve farming. One involves using UAVs and cameras to identify severe weather damage quickly. If it's a widespread event, it's really hard for everybody that needs to get information about that field to see it and make a decision quickly. If we can find a technology, in this case a UAV, and a simple color camera, we can fly that field after a severe weather event has occurred. And maybe say it's a hundred acre field, let's say it looks like about 40 acres of it were pretty damaged. This is where your insurance adjuster needs to go, or this is where you need to think about, can you harvest it? We've been able to, in the past couple of years to do some really good work on being able to identify those damaged areas. But then once we have the ability to do that, we can start looking at things like variety, wind speeds, soil types, fertilizer, all these other things that go into growing that crop. How did it affect how storm resistant it was? Ward is also working to address some of the opportunities with cotton that he referred to earlier. I was mentioning the technology that's on the the, the cotton harvesters now. So there's a file that the cotton harvester makes called an HID or a harvest ID file. And it contains some really great information about that module when it comes off the back of that, that round module picker. What we've been able to do is take that HID file and a yield file and combine that with the fiber quality data that every bale in America gets sampled. for. So if we can actually take that data and bring it back to a field level map, we can start seeing variability in that field in those fiber quality parameters. And we can also even start looking at bale value. So we know in what parts of the field you made more money than others. That gives us the ability to take this data stream that was really made for people that make products from cotton fiber. We can now turn it around and look back at it at the field level and say, how do we manage better for for better fiber? That was found data, right? We didn't make anything to get that analysis done. We essentially were able to pull from multiple different places and bring them all together to make a decision. Ward's colleague, Sierra Young, is also conducting research aimed at advancing farm technology. She's an NC State expert in field robotics. In field robotics, machines are deployed into the real world to look around and gather information about what they find. Young finds ways to marry robots and sensors and then to make sense of the data that they gather. For example, she's working with colleagues to develop recommendations for using UAVs and cameras to better identify areas damaged by unintended pesticide drift. And she's finding ways to get aerial drones and drone ships to work together to help oyster farmers sample nearshore waters for harmful bacteria. Young's also working on a project that could lead to solutions to one of the biggest challenges that North Carolina sweet potato farmers face how they can bring down the cost of planting their crop. Sweet potatoes transplanting is currently mechanized, but it requires still a 
person essentially sitting on the machine to feed the transplanter. There's a bundle of slips. Sweet potatoes are grown from slips planted from these little seedlings. And they might have a bundle of them and they're manually placed in the transplanter that then mechanizes that process. We're looking to use computer vision and robotics to look at the feasibility of removing the human from that process. With a depth sensor and a camera, they're trying to find ways to help a robot discern precisely where each slip is in the bundle so they can grasp each slip individually. After that, they'll be building a robotic arm that's gentle enough and accurate enough to grab the slip and place it into the feeding system for transplanting. Not an easy problem, but at least we're hoping to make some progress and gain some insight on the feasibility and the technical requirements to automate that process. That's important because North Carolina leads the nation in sweet potato production, but farmers are concerned about labor costs and the availability of workers they need to plant and harvest the crop. Young sees labor as a major issue that will continue to drive farm technology development. In the next five to ten years, we'll probably be seeing As we have labor shortages and labor issues, a lot of robots taking over some of those tasks related to harvesting, weeding, and picking for those high-value crops. There's a lot of research on apple harvesters and robotic weeding, whether it's mechanical or herbicide weeding, just because there's a lot of economic pressure and environmental pressure to reduce the current use of herbicide applications associated with weeding. Weed control can also play a huge role in yields. I think those types of systems that are in very either early deployments, early testing evaluation will start to appear in more and more farms as they kind of roll out of these ag tech startup companies. In terms of harvesting efficiency, really, it's a question of making those robots faster, right? Humans are very fast and more time efficient for tasks like that. I think pushing the limits of efficiency for some of the harvesting platforms is also going to be a big driver of the adoption of some of those technologies. In the longer term, Young sees robots getting smaller and communicating and operating together in so-called swarms to get tasks done. If you think about right now, you might have one really large, you know, planter or whatever type of ag machinery you have, replacing that with multiple small robots that are all cooperating and communicating in real time to cover a field and perform whatever task it is, whether it's weeding or, you know, harvesting or planting. And the reason for that is it becomes scalable. So if you have small farms, medium farms, large farms, you can select the number of you know robots that's appropriate or most efficient for that farm size. There's some benefits like they reduce soil compaction. You're more resilient to equipment failure. If one of your robots goes down, you're not dead in the water. Though Young sees rapid progress ahead, she acknowledges that realizing the promise of robotics in agriculture won't necessarily be easy. There's still a lot of barriers to overcome, especially inter-vehicle communications and data sharing. 
in real time in areas that might have limited connectivity. If you can picture multiple platforms operating that maybe they all need to know where each other are so that they don't do the same task or run into each other, that requires a lot of coordination. Sometimes you might have a central kind of server receiving all that information and broadcasting back out to all the robots where everything is. What happens if none of the platforms know what the others are doing? So being resilient to communication type failures. And then, of course, there's practical challenges like performance. These tests are very complex. Even harvesting, you might think about it as a simplified task of, oh, we're going to remove this weed or going to pick this apple. But those tasks are actually complex. You think about all the biology, the fine-tuned adjustments of the system to accurately um, detect, identify, and remove a weed or to look behind leaves and identify missed fruits or vegetables that perhaps, whereas we as humans, we can move all around and look in there and see what's happening. But to replicate all of that perception and decision-making by a machine and also pick the fruit without damaging it, a lot of progress is being made. But to fully be adopted and have it be economically efficient coming up to human performance or the performance of the machines we have now, I think there's some advancements that still need to be made. Ward agrees, and he and Young are optimistic about the potential for advanced farm technology to continue making agriculture more profitable, efficient, safe, and environmentally friendly. I think we've had a, quite an adventure over the last few years with digital technology uh, on the farm, and, and I think that it's not perfect. There's still days where it doesn't work or days where it's a struggle. But I think those days are going to become fewer and fewer, and I get excited about where we're headed. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Farms, Food, and You. To learn more about the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences and our podcast, visit go.ncsu.edu slash farms. While you're there, share your thoughts. We'd love to get your ideas and to hear what topics you'd like for us to explore in the future.